happy Sunday, and hope it is going well that you guys had a great, great week. Um, I'm having a great week, had a great week, even better weekend. I'm uh, just hanging out with the fam and doing all that. That entails eating some good food that you don't get from Uber Eats, which is always a perk um, right before I go back to school in Tuscaloosa. So that has been pretty good. Um, just having the opportunity to sit back and relax and I have relished every moment of it. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, you know, of course, you guys are probably familiar with the Turning Point USA Conference. I, you know, I went last year, wish I had gone this year, but. I was just kind of in just everywhere this summer, and I was like, I'm taking a weekend. I hadn't been home um, in a while, and so it was just like, all right, we're going to go back home and uh, just kind of relax, and I'm honestly glad I did that. But lots of cool things coming out of Turning Point USA. I'm proud to be an ambassador for them. Um, great organization. Charlie Kirk is just a is – a, it's just one of those guys like you just look at him and you're like, how do you do all that you do? Like, it's incredible. Like, like he just, he is a living testament to the fact that like, yes, there are 24 hours in a day, but what makes you who you are is how you decide to use those 24 hours. And I think there are a few people who use their hours as effectively as Charlie Kirk for him to have the story that he does starting um, TV USA when he was just 18 years old, fresh out of college. And for 10 years later for it to be the, um, behemoth of an organization that it is and, and, and reaching so many young people across the country um, and probably arguably throughout the world um, is a huge testament to the blood, sweat, and tears that he's put into it. And of course, all the people that have invested in his vision. So um, definitely rooting for him and all their success. But what I saw out of that conference was very interesting to me. Uh, Governor DeSantis was very warmly received by those in attendance. Um, lots of cheers of DeSantis 2024 there, uh, but also President Trump spoke the next day. Uh, and there was a straw poll that was done actually by the Trafalgar Group, uh, which is a pretty reputable polling company, that showed that President Trump actually won the straw poll um, for those in attendance at the Student Action Summit. So very curious to see what this means. Obviously, in the next um, you know a few months to come, a lot of signs are pointing to the fact that you know, President Trump will run. And I'm curious to see what that ends up looking like. Does he announce soon? Does he announce later? Um, because I think that there's been some, you know, I've, I've seen some reports where there's been some people who are like, hey, like, just, just wait until after the midterms. And then that way, you know, you can own the moment. And then there are other people who are like, let's have him run announced before the midterms so that we can drive turnout. Um you know, for the Republican candidates and, and, and those major swing states like Georgia, Ohio and, and Arizona. So, of course, uh, you know, the only person who will make that decision is President Trump. You know, also in those same reports I found very, very interesting is the fact that, that a lot of his advisors are just like, well, when he's ready, he's just literally going to tweet it or, or should I say truth it? He's going to post on True Social. And then next thing you know, I guess we're going to be running a presidential campaign. And so I think that's pretty cool. Um, just again, just very interesting to see how that all plays out. And uh, one thing I will say is that whether or not he announces, you know, next month, tomorrow or whatever, is that these times are surely um, underscoring for a lot of people um, um, how much they miss him and how much they really probably wish that he was still in the White House today. And I think that I think that the reason that the president probably wants to make his announcement so early is that he wants to make sure that this is ripe on people's minds. People got I talk about I talk about a lot on this show. 
people got really comfortable during the Biden or during the Trump years. Like they just expected, you know, for us to always have this, you know, um, crazy good economy. Jobs are going to just always be, you know, just out there that we would never be in a recession. A lot of people my age don't even know what a recession is. Um, we were far too young to remember what it was like or what sacrifices were required to be made um, during 2008. I actually don't even, you know, I remember vaguely that um, around that time being a kid in my um, my school district would have furlough days. Um, but I don't know. Obviously, I was super young. I've not even really talked to my parents about this. I don't even know, like, I don't remember it affecting much of my childhood at that time. But I know it definitely had to. Like, 2008, around that time, was very, very rough. And so, like, I remember furlough days because that was a big thing. I would watch the news when I was that age, too. And so I kind of understood that, like, that meant something that was bad with the economy or whatever. Um, but as far as growing up, I don't feel like I ever really noticed it. Uh, so I feel like that's probably the feeling of a lot of people in generation. They don't know what a recession is. And especially, you know, I'm one year out from graduating from college. One of their uh, friends of mine who just graduated, they're out the door um, doing whatever they're going to do. They had plans. They had, you know, goals for them that were based on our economy being where it was when President Trump was president, right? When he was calling the shots, when jobs were just, you know, coming out of nowhere and there were literally more jobs available than there were people to fill them. And so I'm actually very, very worried about some of those people because they don't know the worst of times. And I feel like to an extent, you know, if you haven't gone the worst times, if you I always say this too, is that I actually want President Biden to succeed in a very general way, right? Like, I, I don't want him to fail because when he does fail as terribly and as embarrassingly as he has as of late, um, it hurts actually every American. It hurts every person who is trying to make the American dream a reality for them and their families. It hurts um, people who are trying to make ends meet. It hurts people who are just trying to survive and thrive uh, in this country. And so it doesn't make me happy to see that we have such an incompetent, um, delirious and, and, and individual in the White House. It, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't bring me solace to know that. And I don't think it should bring that to anyone because it's unsettling. Um, he is an illegitimate president. Um, and it, it's because of the fact that like he literally if like you know it's so funny people would oftentimes talk about the 26th amendment in respect to president trump because of the things he would tweet um what about the things that like joe biden actually like says like out loud at press conferences and official speeches like he again and again every single day tells americans shows americans that he is not fit or capable to be the commander-in-chief or to call the shots or to be the leader of the free world but yet the media like some wing of the DNC or the White House itself absolutely just brushes away that conversation. Every time he fumbles a statement or a sentence or whatever, you don't hear the same reaction that you would have heard if President Trump had done that. I remember there was that one time that like Trump like tripped on a stage or tripped on like a I think, yeah, it was the stage and people were like, oh, like he's not well, like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And 
that was like it, that was like you would have thought that like they were going to like push him out of office the next day. And then what you also may remember is when President Trump had COVID and they acted like he was on the doorstep of death. Um, but now, apparently, since Joe Biden has COVID, it's just all like, you know, roses and sunshine. You don't see the same apocalyptic storylines that you saw when President Trump had it. Um, you don't see the same, oh, is this, you know, what does this mean? What are the plans of succession? Like, what, like, is he okay? You don't see the entire palace intrigue stories. You're not seeing the same stories being written about what's happening behind the scenes in the White House during this period of time. Uh, and it makes you wonder, right? So it's like, obviously, President Trump, very high energy, very still well-spoken. Um, like the guy has probably the same amount of energy as most people my age. I'm sure he could keep up with us um, <laughs> pretty well. And yet, like, it's Joe Biden that just gets the pass when it comes to this stuff, which is just very, very bizarre. Like, this is a guy who has shown us time and again that he is not well. And anyone who contests that or disagrees with it, I just don't even take seriously anymore because it's like I could literally probably make like a 24 hour reel of every single speech that President Biden has given like within the last year that would absolutely just support my argument that this man is not good. He's not good. Like someone should check in on him. Someone should very much check in on him. And you also have like this entire deal where they seemingly his entire family now, the entire White House, I'd say, is just seemingly living in some like alternate universe. Like Jill Biden was doing some public outing. And then there's this clip where um, like this guy <laughs> was like yelling and he was like, your husband sucks. And then she yells back at him. Thank you so much for your support. And it reminded me literally of the fact um, when the news, you remember that, of course, this is how Let's Go Brand was born. Um, where you have these um, and all these things. And then you have the newscaster who's like, oh, no, 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 no. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. These people are cheering for you, Brandon. These people are cheering for you. Y'all know Ginwell, and everyone knows Ginwell. Anyone who has ears knows Ginwell. These people were not saying, let's go, Brandon. They were not saying, let's go, Brandon. Um, they were saying what exactly what we know they were saying. They were saying, fuck Joe Biden. And so this is just a continuation of it. Like they think that they can literally gaslight the American people gaslight the public um, because the media has allowed them to do so in the past. Um, the media has allowed them to do so without any correction, without any consequence. And so it should be no surprise to you that Joe Biden literally thinks that she can say, Oh, thank you so much for your support and not think that the media is not going to report it the exact way she said it. Um, oh, Jill Biden only received on the streets of New York City, even though there she is being literally accosted for how horrible her, of a president her husband is, how gas prices are out the wazoo, how inflation is hitting a four decade record high, how we're on the brink of a recession, the economy is crashing, jobs are stagnant, wages are stagnant, everything is stagnant. And yeah. And there she goes saying, thank you so much for your support. Yeah, no. Um, Jill, I don't know if you know, and I don't know if you, your staff tells you this, but the reality of it is, is that your your husband is actually suffering from record low approval ratings. Record low. Um, and this comes after, again, this is, again, the media double standard here. If President Trump's approval ratings ever got that low, do you think that we wouldn't be around to that every single day? Every single day. It would be in the newspaper every single day. CNN would talk about it every single hour. 
MSNBC would have specials about how this is the turning point in American history where you have the most unpopular president in the world. Like, they would literally milk it until the end of time. But yet, Biden just gets a pass. He is about to get absolutely dragged in November in these midterms. Like, we honestly may have the most Republican Congress that we've probably had in a long, long time. Like, I'm talking 1994 contract with America, Newt Gingrich type Congress because of how bad things are right now. And yet the media is like still trying to, for some reason, give like Biden a lifeline saying, oh, like there are a couple months left, like he can turn this around. Like there's no indication that he knows how to do that. There's no indication that he knows how to ride a bike, tie his shoe, or even, I don't know, say a sentence without fumbling it. So I don't think there is any evidence to really rely on or go or, or say that he has any idea how to like fix an economy or get this, you know, shit back on the right track or this train on the right track. Like, I just, they, I don't know, like, what y'all are seeking y'all's, uh, or getting y'all's, uh, faith from in all of this, but I, I, I'm, I'm not deriving it from the same place. I don't even know where I would get it if I wanted to have it. Like, I, I don't know, even if I wanted to feel confident about where we are at as a country right now, like, I don't even know what I would look to for any indication of that. And there's definitely nothing for Biden to look to. Like, if you look at, like, you know, states like Virginia, like Virginia was the warning shot. Like Glenn Youngkin winning in Virginia was the warning shot. It wasn't the final show. Um, that was a battle we won, but it wasn't the war. Um, but you look throughout the country, you look at Myra Flores, who won um, a, a district in, in, in the deep south of Texas, majority minority district, um, Mexican born uh, Latina, who is literally not did not run as a moderate for the record. Like, don't let people, I know Myra, um, or Congressman Flores now, um, and she is not a moderate. And I love it. I love that about her because she ran on God. Literally, that is what she ran on. She ran on her faith. She ran on her values. And she ran on the issues that were important to her community. She didn't back away from the tough issues. She isn't um, changed because, you know, Washington establishment told her to. She ran the campaign that she wanted to run, and she won. And she did that by being her authentic, conservative self. And that scares people. Why? Because it means that we don't have to run Mitt Romney types in districts like that to win. It means we don't have to run Adam Kissinger or Liz Cheney types in districts like that to win. It means that we can run folks like Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Trump candidates, Matt Gates, and districts like that, that. As long as they actually, I don't know, match the values of the people that they're looking to represent, they have a good chance at winning. Like, that is what scares Washington more than anything. That's what scares Democrats more than anything. Because if you actually have to run a, a, a Republican-like candidate if we're going to win. And that's just not true. It's not true. Congressman Flores has proved that, and I love her for it. I seriously love her for it. She's the, one of my favorite members of Congress because she's just her authentic self, and she's killing it. And she is going to do probably a lot more, um, a lot better than a lot of people were expecting her to do in November. A lot of people, as soon as she won, they try to write her off. They're saying, oh, well, she did it. She did this time, but we'll see what November happens. No, people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. People are sick and tired of struggling. People are sick and tired of hurting, and they're done. 
And people like Congressman Flores are bright lights in the dark places for a lot of people who, again, like I said, this, this election is going to come down to kitchen table issues. People who are struggling to make ends meet, people who are struggling to provide for their families and all these things. Um, they, they're looking to folks like her for support, and that's what they're ranking on. And I'm, I'm fully there for it. 100%. 100%. So outside of that, um, what I'll also say here is that interesting enough, like let's, let's go to news of the day. Um, we've kind of had a, a little, a little good segue here, but um, I, you know, it's so funny that Joe Biden has, has not funny, like my hearts and prayers and thoughts and all that jazz go out to Joe Biden during this difficult time. But the most interesting thing about this is that, I love it how when every time a Democrat gets like COVID, they all release like the same statement. They're like, uh, unfortunately today, blah, 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 has gotten diagnosed with COVID. Thank God, however, though, that they are vaccinated and double boosted because God knows where they'd be if without that. Well, I'm old enough to remember when people used to say, as long as you got the vaccine, you don't have to worry about COVID anymore. You want to get COVID. And if you didn't get the vaccine, you were probably going to die. Um, and I thought, that like, even if I thought that if you got the vaccine alone, then you would be fine, that you would be sod, you'd be set, you'd be good to go. And then they, of course, came out and they said, oh, you need to get double boosted. You need to have this, you need to have that. So that was like the first little bait and switch. And now you literally have like what's so interesting enough is that you have like the biggest pushers of this uh, of this narrative that if unless you got um, all of these vaccines, you're going to be in your deathbed or you're going to be like the, the most likely to get COVID. They're the ones getting COVID. Like, remember guys, just like a few weeks ago, it was Dr. Fauci who had COVID. Uh, and now of course it's Joe Biden, Mr. Vaccine himself. Uh, and this is all while you have Deborah Burks, who's going on TV. And I guess this is like her, I don't know, like, I don't know if this is like her redemption tour, if you were to call it that. And now saying that maybe we overplayed kind of, what we were saying or overstated, um, you know, the abilities or the powers of the vaccine. And it's like, oh, like you're saying what like people had been saying the entire time, but were like labeled conspiracy theorists or anti-science or just kooks for believing. Because what's interesting about all of this is that like, notice you don't see the people who don't have, who are like on the record, not being vaccinated on the record, not being boosted. They're not the ones you're seeing every other week um, coming out and saying they have COVID. Like, when was the last time you, like, a prominent Republican politician was in the news for having COVID? Like, I really can't remember at all. Genuinely, whatsoever. Like, I can't remember at all the last Republican politician has come out and has had COVID. And, and Democrats will say, oh, maybe they're not getting tested. Well, I guess that means they're all asymptomatic asymptomatic without vaccine, which a lot of them said would not be possible because if you didn't get the vaccine, you were going to get hit hit harder than anyone else and you were probably going to die. But of course, that doesn't seem to be the case as everything else has quite obviously and evidently been. Um, But that again, just goes to show like you can't trust these people. You can't believe these people. Um, because the, all they do is lie and like this entire, and, and it, and it never ends. Like I, like it just never ends. Like it, sometimes you just gotta like sit back and watch the news and be like, who actually is believing this? Like, I, like I love to do that sometimes like for fun. Like when I'm bored, like I'll literally turn on CNN or I'll turn on MSNBC 
And I used to love doing this when Rachel Maddow um, was on regularly. I think now she only does like Mondays or whatever on MSNBC. Um, I would just love to watch it and be like, who in the hell is actually believing this? Like I'm watching this with a straight face. Like who is believing these narratives that like the elite and Washington are just trying to shove down your throat and actually taking these for face value because those people actually scare me. If you genuinely are watching Don Lemon or you're watching Rachel Maddow and you're nodding your head in agreement 24 seven throughout the entire time, then like, God bless you because you need it. Like the only one who can save you. I can't save you. No fact can save you. It's only you because it, it is, it is scary and frightening. What, uh, what, what I was, what I'm seeing on these channels, like it's almost an alternate universe where you see like all of these people talking about January 6th and, and all of this stuff. People are talking or thinking at their homes. They're thinking about. troubling the most is that like people do not care what Liz Cheney is doing like no one does and rightfully so because like people are struggling and it goes back to like that iconic James Carville statement it's the economy stupid it's the economy so when people are struggling literally to just do what they were able to do just literally not long ago Obviously, their priorities shift. They change. They differ. Uh, and it's just like, and I, and it's so weird. I, one thing I'm, I'm really fortunate about is that I've never gotten the DC bug. Like, do I like DC? Yeah. Fun place to visit. Love the history of it all. I'm a history nerd. So I love it when I go there. But damn, people that live there, I feel like honestly, just slowly and surely become a little bit less. I don't know. I'm not going to say intelligent. I know there's very smart people in DC, but like less human, less like normal. Like, I feel like they just talk amongst each other and just refuse to like actually realize that people don't really care about most of the stuff they do. Um, like seriously, wait until football season starts. You think people are going to be watching the January six hearings when college football's back when NFL, uh, uh, when football Thursdays are back, Thursday night football, Monday night football, I think people are going to be worried about what Liz Cheney has to say or Adam Kissinger has to say. No, they're not. They're not at all. Literally. At all. And so now what they're trying to do, and quite obviously, is they're trying to literally take advantage of people's boredom by shoving this stuff down their throat because they realize that come October, come August, like no one is actually going to care about any of this stuff. Like it's become less about like just like and it also just what another thing that just frustrates me about this is that how much money are we spending on this seriously how much money are we spending on this 
But yet, for some reason, we could never find the money to build the wall. They said that was impossible. We could never find the money to secure our border. We could never find the money to actually do the things that the American people have said that they want done, so they feel safe, so they feel secure. But for some reason, somehow, some way, we found the money to launch this witch hunt where it seems as if, like, almost, like, within, like, 30 or so minutes after they conclude, their star witnesses are always, like, discredited. Like, Court Courtney Hutchinson, Cassidy Hutchinson, she went up there, told this little story about how the president lunged for the front of the beast or whatever, uh, and... And then in like literally 30 minutes later, like you have the Secret Service agent in question who's like, that never happened. And he was prepared to testify that that never happened. But yet, for some reason, you don't hear about Liz Cheney or whoever runs that little charade of a whatever. You don't hear about them. Uh, you don't hear about them being called or them rushing to you know, host a primetime hearing with them. Why is that? Why is Anthony Ornato not being called to testify about what allegedly or did or did not happen in the beast? Why are they not asked him directly? He's the guy at the center of all of this. Why has he not been called to testify? And obviously like him, like this guy is a career secret service agent. He's not going to go on Twitter and say, Hey, Liz Cheney, call me to testify right now. He can't. Like, he's a federal employee, like, hatch act. Like, he cannot be political. So, obviously, this entire thing, the ball is literally in their court. And, of course, uh, from what I understand, there are a few months left of these hearings, supposedly. I, I, I believe that this was the last one of the summer. I believe. If I'm correct in that. Um, but, like, why was that not called? Immediately, like, you would have thought that immediately after Cassie Hutchinson's testimony, the next obvious witness would be the man at the center of it, who was Anthony Ornato. But they already know that anything he says would not be the narrative that they want to push. It would not be the narrative that they're trying to fabricate. And so they haven't called him. They won't call him. And I'll, and I'll bet on that. Because if they were going to, they already would have. But they didn't. Their next hearing was about what? I, I can't even remember. Like I like I literally try I try to just watch it just so I'm like informed and can talk about whatever they talked about. But it's like so unmemorable. And if it's unmemorable for me, someone who lives and breathes this stuff, who is a political junkie, imagine like what it's like for someone who just doesn't care. Like who is just watching this because it's on in an airport or it's on at their barber shop or their hair salon while they're getting their hair done. Like that, that is the reality of this stuff. Uh, and so the thing is, is that I cannot wait until Republicans take back the house. Seriously, November cannot come fast enough. And it is going to be a great day. If Republicans have the right leadership, if we have the right amount of courageousness, I think that this is going to be an incredible Congress. I'm excited about the, the some of the freshmen that are coming into this Congress, folks like Joe Kent, um, folks like uh, J.R. Majewski and all of those folks. Like They're going to be some huge rabble-rousers, and I'm excited. Like They're going to, they're not the ones to play with, and it is going to be a great, great day um, to be a Republican. Because I think like one thing about Republicans, and, and I stand by this, is that we are actually – Interestingly enough, I, I will say we are a lot better being the opposition party than we are in governing. 
And I think that anyone who's really honest will, will tell you that because like there are a lot of things that our Republican Congress could have done during the Trump years that they did not do because they didn't have the, 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 the courage to do so. They didn't have the balls to do so. They could have defunded Planned Parenthood. They could have built the wall if they really wanted to, but they didn't. Um, they could have just think about the laundry list of things that we've been trying to get done. Um, the Republicans have been running on since God knows how long that they didn't do. There are no term limits. There's no balanced budget amendment. All these things that Republicans run on all the time didn't happen. But when we're the opposition party, they will hold hearing after hearing. I'm sure that Hunter Biden will actually probably face the music. I actually think he will. I think they're going to hold hearings on that. I think we're going to see hearings about the actual January 6th committee to see kind of whether or not this was actually a legitimate investigation whatsoever or not. Um, and I'm excited to see that. I mean, maybe we'll actually actually hear from uh, Assistant Director of the Secret Service, Anthony Ornato, then um, when they get absolutely decimated in the in the uh, in the in the midterms. Probably won't before then, but maybe we'll actually get like a real insight into what we actually should know because for some reason we just have not been given that. Because I guess Liz Cheney and Benny Thompson and whoever else just don't believe we deserve that. But I think the American people do. And I think it is long past due for us to get that. And so fingers crossed, very hopeful. Uh, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm hoping for the best. I really hope that, I really hope that our friend, uh, Kevin McCarthy, rubber up, or it looks like he's going to be speaker. Um, I hope that he comes in clutch and I hope that he, he, um, owns this moment because it's going to be defining defining like people are seeing tired of just electing republicans just voting for them to vote for them people want to know that they're electing fighters they're electing people who know how to lead and like know how to actually do what the left loves to do to us the way that the left and democrats have weaponized every single lever of government against the right recently is just unfathomable and republicans could never would never. And there are going to be some people saying, oh, because we're better than that. Okay. If you guys want to fight against these people who want to literally destroy the foundation of this country with your hands tied behind your back, you go do that. I won't. I'm not endorsing that. Seriously, I, I'm tired of this entire, oh, well, we got to be better than them. We got to do it now. I'm past that. When you have them literally trying to push like drag queens, reading to children and sexualizing children and grooming children down the throats of a of the American people, that's when you know, like, like we're, 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 we're too far gone for that. We're done. Like, it's been fun. It's been a jolly good ride, but now this is about saving America. And so, yeah, I'm done. Uh, it's, it's not time to be the nice guy anymore, but that's that. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the CJ Peterson show here every single week on Colin and every other platform from Spotify to Apple Podcasts or to wherever else you get your podcast. I'll see you soon in just the next couple of days, actually. Uh, we'll be filming our recording, our next episode here live on Colin. See you guys soon.